Season's greetings. More like season's compliments because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Min Skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. Super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles and signs of aging. Enough said. Calera Lab Skincare, join the 100,000 men who trust Calera Lab to show your best first impression this autumn. Get 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA over at calderalab.com. I've been using Calera Lab now for a good while, and you know me and Graham, we're staying up late. We're watching flights and we need it at night and we need it in the morning and it really does help out. Caldera Lab creates high performance men's skincare products and the regimen is exactly what you need to start that all off. It leads to their product line. It's a twice a day routine to transform your skin. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and it's been the wild west for men for a long time. That's why they're here just to make everything simple. So the regimen includes three products, the clean slate, base layer and the good. Very easy. Clean set starts your day. It's a face wash, leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And in the good is your go to before you go to bed. It's a multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed by true packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. And the Calera Lab Icon Serum as well. That's absolutely brilliant. It addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness, which I know every MMA fan needs. Calera Lab is a leader in men's skincare, made only with the top-tier ingredients. Clinical trials uh, have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger appearance after using Calera Lab for a few weeks. Proven. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines and sides of aging. So this is a deal just for our audience. Exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at calderalab.com with the code SEVEREMMA. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the MMA Trivia Championship. It's the world's first MMA trivia card set. 500 of the hardest questions from the world's toughest sport, featuring questions from across the MMA world, including UFC, Pride FC, Bellator, PFL, WC, and Strike Force. Do you have what it takes to become an MMA trivia champion? Dive into 500 of the most formidable MMA questions ready to push you and your friends to the limit. Perfect for the MMA fanatic in your life this Christmas. Prove who amongst you is the real MMA trivia goat. Order online now at MMATriviaChampionship.com and receive a Christmas discount. That's MMATriviaChampionship.com. Hardcore or casual, it's time to throw down. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. And now... Here's the podcast. 
McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 445 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, the pod god, joined today by the uh, Jurgen Klopp of Irish <laughs> Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a pretty uh, pretty good weekend in the world of mixed martial arts and a big week coming up as well, especially for Irish MMA, as I'll be travelling northeast to Dublin to uh, watch the last card of the year. Maybe my last card ever, Graham. I'm my, this tra- uh, trekking up and down to Dublin. Day, yeah. Just... <laughs> I was looking up the amount the amount of money it actually costs is is actually like ridiculous the amount of money I spent on trips to Dublin this year. And I, I, I didn't even go to the Cage Warriors one. Now if I got to that it would have even been more so yeah, I don't know if it's doable. If there's anyone out there who wants to like sponsor sponsor trips to Dublin like five times a year, I'll happily continue to do it, but it's just I don't know if it's feasible to keep doing like the prices of hotels in Dublin is just reckless, like man, fucking, you know, you're the bones of six or seven hundred euro for staying for three nights in a hotel in Dublin. Like it's just not, not. Uh, doable. Get, get into the, get into the local holiday and it'd be cheaper than that. <laughs> you're, you're posh. Yeah, you're, posh. Ah. you're in the you're in the nice hotels. <laughs> I stand in Gibson and nowhere else. <laughs> not even, not even a suggestion. I could go anywhere else. You have to be getting on the fucking Lewis and so you'd have to meet Dublin people. Like, ugh. like, oh, you wanna, how could I do that, Graham? I get fucking. I don't know. I'll have to get my shot anyway before I go to Dublin, first of all. Sure, we have the audio proof of you admitting you were looking forward to your trip to Dublin that the last is, time. That audio has been altered horrendously. It's I never no, said those words. It's 100% authentic. Fake, you pure fake. Would you, trust, would you trust me or you trust Sean? I think we all know uh, I think you trust me. You're fake news. That's proven known that you're fake news. <laughs> I'm 100%. 100%. <laughs> what do they call it? Batting. Batting round. I don't even know the... Batting a thousand. Is that it? Batting a thousand. Yeah, that's, it, that's yeah. it. Um, Come here, team, anyway. Before we get into the podcast, uh, it's the start of the month, so if you haven't signed up to our Patreon, please do. We'll have a lot of stuff over the next while. And uh, if you just want to support that trip to Dublin and all our work there, um, you can sign up and it's a, it's a five or a month or a ten or a month or twenty a month, however much you want to uh, um, pay, pay, I suppose is the, the word. But uh, we sponsor uh, us, yeah, whatever it is. We're, we're, we think we're doing good work, and if you do too, sure, throw us a fiver. But um, yeah, patreon.com forward slash severe mail podcast. Anyway, let's talk about the fights, Graham. We're going to start by talking about this weekend's UFC, and then we look ahead to PFL uh, Dublin, which is a, is a really good card as well. This uh, UFC card, on paper, we talked about it last week, really good card, and it fantastically delivered as well. Up there as one of the cards of the year. For me, some of the best knockouts of the year, in my opinion, knockout of the year, possibly comeback of the year as well on this card. Overall, and it was all over by 3 a.m. On, on Saturday night. So, pretty, pretty good card overall, Grammar. Did you enjoy it as much as I did watching it on Saturday night? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but it did kind of put a bit of a, a stain on it. What happened to Bobby Green at the, you know, the hands of Jalen Turner and, and the ref? Uh, Jalen Turner did everything correct. You know, you, you, 
you don't stop until the ref stops. But, uh, you know, when the commentators and, you know, are screaming that the fight's over six punches before, before the, like you're lying in your face and you're not moving, barely moving or improving your position or really defending. And it's just completely unnecessary. And it's really, really, you know, really, really bad and really, really dangerous. You know, he's lucky that he's able to get up and walk around afterwards and, you know, all that stuff. But like that could have went very differently. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, obviously we complain all the time about, oh, it's an early stoppage and give the guy a chance and all. But I like, I can see why people would say, oh, you're always on about that. But now you're saying this, but this is different. This is, you know, maybe one or two punches you could say, okay, fair enough. But like when the, the, the sixth and the seventh or whatever it was are coming in and the guy's not moving and Jalen Turner isn't just, isn't just flurrying on him. He's hitting him with big, big, like punishing damaging shots like that's like I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Green's not the same again after that yeah. to be honest it was awful like I don't think there's much discussion needed on the actual incident itself like I think every person on planet earth uh, who's an MMA fan agrees that that was a horrendously late stoppage and that uh, referee Kerry yeah. Atley did a, did a terrible job but the overall discussion I suppose like as you mentioned there like we talked about it well, it was either last week or the week before it was last week in fact because it was P- the PFL finale you know we kind of gave out about um, an early stoppage in the uh, the Braga Pinedo fight I believe it was and then you, we also spoke about the the amateur fight the Ali Obadjo Walsh where that was uh, a bit late and obviously this one is massively like this is this is the worst in a while so this is maybe even you know outside of a normal discussion on the right time and the wrong time to, to, to talk about stoppages but I've been I've been talking to a few officials about this over last while having discussions and listening to their point of view about it and honestly it's a real tough one because look it's I think it's the easiest thing to say here is, is right we all know almost what the, a good stoppage looks like, right? What a, a, a rightly timed, correctly timed, perfect stoppage looks like. But it's very, very difficult to get that. There's all, like, there's so many times where there, there's a slight movement that either makes it an early stoppage, looking like an early stoppage, or looking like an eight, a late stoppage. And there's always, uh, a, a, like, the weird, the weird thing is, right? I was talking to someone the other day and I, I made the point like when you're talking about judging right you can let, let's say you spend years fucking learning about it and talking to judges and maybe listen to this podcast another podcast and you can go through it and like at the end of the day a lot of the fights turn out the same there might be the odd kind of weird one where you have to decipher judging a bit but it's it's pretty it's very complicated, but once you have all those parts, you can understand it. With judging or with refereeing, it's so different because you never know whose body is going to move in what way, how they're going to move, when they're going to react. You almost sometimes have to predict it when you're the referee. And if you don't predict it and you let it go, it's going to look very late. And if you do predict it, it's going to look very early. It's a very tough job these refs have. And like I, I think even the the stoppage we we spoke about uh, the the Mark Goddard one there recently that we spoke about like uh, the the Yuri uh, the Prohachka one fight I believe it was like I, I think both of us kind of agree like you know we all we looked at that and said oh Jesus that's that's just not a right stoppage but 
if Mark Goddard came out and said two or three sentences and go, here's why it's happening, you couldn't disagree with him. Like, it's not necessarily a bad stoppage. And that, isn't that weird, like, that we can look at something and go, you know, that's that's not necessarily a mistake. That's not. Yeah, you can say, I bad. see why he did it, and yeah. I understand, but I maybe would have disagreed, but obviously it's a tough job, as you are saying, but... Yeah. Uh, my opinion, this one is just so different. Uh, this one is very different. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not arguing that at all. But I'm, I think the, the discussion is worthwhile, though. Like, I think the only solution to this discuss, discussion, Graham, is, and this is a weird thing to say, but like, have the best referees do every fight. And that's a very tough thing to do because, you know, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's a few maybe that didn't do this card because maybe they're traveling to Ireland or you know, not even necessarily this one, but, you know, maybe some people were at last week's PFL and didn't want to do this and it's coming cro- close to Christmas or, you know, some people weren't signed up for this or it's Texas and they had some of their, you know, some of their own referees. Now we saw the PFL finale. They had Mario Yamasaki and his brother, you know, they're not bringing in Goddard maybe or they're not bringing in uh, Jason and Herzog or they're not giving them all the matchups even if they are there you know it's it's such a, a tough part of mixed martial arts and it's one of those things as well I think a lot of people actually have a lot of sympathy for the referees and in, in this case absolutely I've no sympathy for, for Kerry Atley like Kerry Atley is not a good referee but here here's the point Graham and I want to say it to you right do we need to be more um, harsh on referees who have had a long kind of storied career of having finishes like this, like her yeah. for years. How long did he get away with it? Kerry Hatley. Like, because it's it's different to judging, or it's different to other parts of MMA that this... Actual the, physical harm. Yes, but the refereeing harm. is like tantamount to the sport being okay. You know, if, if you're to say, what's the difference between assault and MMA? Like, they're the same action, but what's the difference? Well, the difference here is we have a doctor, we have judges, we have an organization, you sign a contract, and most importantly, we have a referee in there. That, you know, when people go, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to kill you in the cage. Well, they're not going to do that, right? Because the referee is there. And if the referee acts the way the referee, Kerry Halley, acted in that fight, then that's just taken away, isn't it? It just doesn't look like MMA anymore at that stage. Yeah, well, like, I don't know. I don't even know about that. It's just, it, it, you know, this is a high-level sport, the very highest-level sport. You know, the UFC puts it, up, puts it out as, you know, uh, you know, all our cards are top-level guys, and top-level guys going in there, uh, you expect to have top-level referees. And, you know, maybe if this was... Like, see, see, I actually couldn't even imagine this being Goddard or Herzog. It just would never happen. Right. Like, you, I, I, you know, Kerry Hatley and certain other referees, like, they have previous for this. And, uh, you know, if a judge makes a wrong decision, okay, people get paid less and it's terrible or whatever, and you might not move up the rankings and, you know, it's a it's a loss on your record and all that stuff. And it's 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 hard to take a loss and, you know, mentally and all that stuff. And you're kind of, you're, you drop yourself back a bit, but you're still, you know, your brain's still working. You can still, you know, go back to the gym and improve. Like, but maybe, like maybe Bobby Green will be fine. And I really hope he is like, and he can, you know, be the same fighter he was, but we saw with Chris Weidman before, like, you know, these guys, they're tough as nails. Like they, they, they'll come back and they'll go again but you know uh, it's just I just really hope Bobby Green's the same as he was before but I, I like 
surely like t- like taking those huge shots repeatedly while lying on your face is just uh surely that's doing bad damage to your brain like really like i know mma is a brutal sport and you know all that but that's just like that was just vicious and the, the ref just standing there close to that like watching that and not stopping it and you know usually like if a commentator shouting at the ref i'd be like that's unprofessional you shouldn't do that but like in this stage like you know somebody's life could be on the line here so like you know fair play to the commentators for like kind of scream and stop the fight like you know what i mean uh yeah. because it could have been a lot lot worse than it was even if it is even if Bobby Green isn't the same again, it could have been even worse than that. You know, before he got up and was walking over, like that was a massive relief to me to see him able to do that. Like, so I think, you know, uh, just too much on the line uh, outside of even prize fighting and rankings and records and money and all that stuff with the brain to to have a ref with previous, you know, ref in any, any MMA, never mind the highest level MMA. Yeah, like anyone can make a mistake. I'm sure, like a Herzog or a Mark Goddard has found themselves. Ah, like I don't uh, think a Mark Goddard no, or a Herzog like, are going to let somebody pound away with their face down on the ground like that ever. Absolutely, but like they've all been in a position right where they're in on the wrong side, and you know they miss a tap or they miss someone taking two or three shots who's out, and then they, you know, they're like, "Oh fuck, I can't believe I did that." But that's not. It's not. They've never done that. Looking straight at it, right? They've never. So what happened in in that one? Like he got. Hurt badly on the feet, and we always talk about realizing and putting it into your reckoning when you're doing the stoppage. Like what has happened beforehand? He got went to the ground. He, he got, got wobbled badly before he even went to that, the ground. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah, that's what I just said. And then he's hurt. He's finished, right? And you could kind of see in Carriatley's face, he's like, "Oh, I better look at this." And then it's not that he even wakes back up or anything. It's just that he's there to take like four more shots. And when he takes those shots, you're thinking, okay, you've given him the chance now. He's taking those four more shots. You should have stopped it before that, almost. And then it's like, oh, hold on, I'm actually going to let him get finished now before I'm I'm going to stop it. And then he didn't stop it until he got knocked out again. That was ridiculous. Like, he'd, he let him take, like, four more shots and then four more shots and then knockout blows before he was knocked out before he stopped it. That, that was ridiculous. No top-level referee would ever do that. Look at that the way. Like, that's not a mistake. That's just being a bad referee, like, not um, having the head for it, like, panicking in that situation. That's just, We've talked about it before, even with judges and stuff, that, like, if you're not... Uh, so experience is the thing. If the, if a referee who you know done two fights before had done something like that, you could say, okay, he made a terrible mistake. But maybe in like two or three years' time, he'd be able to ref at the top level. He'd experience. That guy's been refing for a very, very long time. He's all the experience he's ever going to need or get. He just doesn't have it. It's not. He's not him. Like he's not the guy who can referee those top level fights. Like you have to have that ability to stay calm in the violence and realize what your job is like and also not to listen to people say like us last week we were talking about oh don't stop the fight early give him a chance and everything like that if you think it's the right time to stop it fucking get in there and stop it like you can't you can't let that get into your head because what's going to happen is you know there's going to be people like you graham and go i'm worried about bobby green safety or our health and long-term health as am i and that is not good. That is not what you want after a fight at all. Like, sometimes it just happens. Someone someone gets knocked out with one shot and it can be just as bad as that. That is awful. But when the referee is directly at 
a part of the fault for that it's uh, it's like well fully at fault for that in, in this uh, instance but like the opposition fighter obviously helps by being the one throwing the punches but he could have avoided all of that and it was it was just awful but I, and his I think- corner actually you know i'm i know uh, towel throws never happen like you know we referenced it recently about nick diaz and nate diaz but extremely like how many thousands of fights have me and you watched and how many towels have we seen thrown in but in this case if the ref is staring at it and you know you're seeing your fighter and your teammate and your friend getting pounded like that like you know it was very quick though in fairness like you know they could have been at the other side of the cage but not a great yeah yeah maybe they were kind of gesturing to the ref and he didn't see them or something but it's that's more for like a prolonged kind of beating though i think this one is i think this kind of turned into one like you know maybe they were in like seven or eight seconds at the same time like it wasn't yeah it's true it's true yeah but like yeah it was it was just an awful stoppage but i think like the discussion we were kind of having a minute ago, we, we need to be, uh, I think even us last week talking about it, maybe we were a little bit harsh. Now, it was an early stoppage last week, but the the, the question we ask ourselves again, well, we would say you rather, give them one or two, give yeah. them one or two, you know, not give them fucking 12 or 13. Yeah, correct. But at the same time, would you rather it be an early stoppage or a late stoppage? Like, yeah, but we, I always say that. Like when I talk about this, I'd always prefer it to be stopped early than late. I actually like, you know, make a point of saying that. Yeah. I, Fair Most enough. of the time, if not all of the time, because like I, I really don't want this to happen. Like early is better than better than late, but like you know, just because you know somebody didn't get, you know, I don't know, just because of this happening, I don't want you know the next three months of UFC fights to be stopped really early, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. because you know this classics even you know on this on this fight card comebacks that like you know w- won't happen and. And guys, Let's talk about you know. that. So you're, I, I assume you're talking about the the Pateria Bellator fight, uh, which yeah, was a comeback yeah. of the year. At the same time, though, I think that fight could have been stopped, and I think it should have been stopped. Like he was in a real bad yeah. way; he was getting hammer fisted oh. into the ground. Like I, I actually don't think this is a. It, it's those, obviously those shots were nowhere near the kind of force. Uh, oh, I, I think they compare, were. Compare other fights like Jalen Turner's were, were extra big shots. I think no, they were, well, they but, weren't as bad as the worst happened in UFC history. No, but they were yeah, really yeah. bad. He was taking like undefended hammer fists mm-hmm. to the face, and I think this should have been stopped. Like, and I know we. I and I, I we I I say this every time, right? It doesn't matter what happens afterwards. We look at the actual incident itself, and I say that when fights are stopped too, as well as not stopped. So this is not just me fucking you know using this argument myself. I say it all the time. Just because yeah. I, thought, I thought just as like you know just as it was going to be stopped, he did just enough. But like absolutely, if it had been stopped, uh, like you know a couple of times during that, you would have been like fair enough. We wouldn't have even been you know calling an early stoppage proper pro- uh, probably, but. Maybe this fight is a little bit of a bad example, but you know, if a guy gets like flash knocked down or whatever, and the ref just steps in and stops it, uh, you know, you could be missing out on the classic. You know, yeah. you can like. There's definitely that fine line, and that's why we need the best referees there because they will know that fine line, see that fine line, and make the right disco- uh, the decision on that fine line. And that's that's what it's all about. Like, it's a very fucking hard job. And they I can't think being vocal, like, like Mark Goddard, like being vocal, at, like not being vocal during the fight, but when the fight is like potentially coming to an end, Mark Goddard is very good at being like, you need to show me something, you need to move. You need, like He's always talking to them. And then there's no excuse if they don't follow his commands. You know what I mean? He's making it very clear that I'm about to stop this. All of a sudden, 
Matt Goddard is talking, people kind of being like, you need to do something, you need to move, you need to show me something, you need to improve your position. And if you don't do it, then yeah, but for example, Kerry Hatley just standing there looking at it like, you know, if he had said to Bobby Green, are you okay? Show me something. Bobby Green wouldn't have been able to. And then he, you know, would have been in a better position to know that I have to stop this now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's it's really tough. It's really tough because, like, you know, it's uh, it, it's all about time and it's all about... Uh, and But, like, I, I feel as well, right? We're... This is one of the best and biggest UFC Fight Night cards of the year. Like, Dana White came out afterwards and said, it's, I think it's the biggest gate in UFC Fight Night history. Like, this is the 15th, 16th biggest UFC card of the year. Like, this is a major event. Yeah, you have Kerry Hatley refereeing. Like, I, I just don't think that's good enough. I really don't think that's good enough. Let's get the best referees there. Let's have them doing the job and let's, you know, let's stop this. We, we don't need this. Like, get the best referees, get the best judges and do it that way. And, like, they've, a good, they've done a better job of that, to be fair. Like, Goddard is coming in all the time. They're bringing in the judges from overseas now as well. And, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely doing a better job of it. But it needs to be consistent. It needs to be all done. Like, if it's the third fight from the bottom or you know the, the main event I, I still think it needs the best in the world because like you know Ihor Pateria's brain is just as important as, as Kelvin Gaslam's brain or, or Armin Saryukin's brain like you know so um, yeah we I mean, and like, I, like I've never met Kerry Hadley he could be like the nicest guy in the world course, he, yeah. you know he, he, all that stuff and he's doing his best and I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm assuming that's the case like I've no reason to doubt it it's just it's just you know I don't want to say oh you shouldn't you know somebody shouldn't have their job and but people some people just aren't. in the world but at the same time if you're consistently over a long period of time showing a load of signs of this you know you're not really up to the job here then you know somebody has to make that call and uh, yeah I think you know Dana White in the past has kind of forced things like that I don't know I didn't hear him at the post fight press conference but. I doubt he was happy with that either. You know, if if something very serious was to happen, that would that would damage MMA as a whole and the UFC. Yeah, like me or you wouldn't probably be able to do it. Like, let's let's be honest here. We don't have the experience. We mightn't have the fucking head for it. There's there's almost no people in the world who have the fucking head for it. It's very very rare. We need to fucking cherish those people who are good at it, like, and get them in there. On the on the Dana White thing, he actually said in a post fight press conference that he spoke or, or he I don't know if he spoke to Kerry Hatley or he heard that Kerry Hatley said so Kerry Hatley said according to Dan White that uh, he was really you know uh, really sad about it he said he made a horrendous mistake he was really sorry which is is fair enough like you, you should definitely should say yeah. that'd be yeah, way worse him him and like that. you know yeah. some people would deny it and you know say it's not their fault and not apologise so fair play to him but you know I think we you know potentially got away lucky here with Bobby yeah. Green so yeah um Right, let's take a look at, at maybe we'll start with those two fights first. Like the the Pateria Bellator fight, you know, I, I, again we'll do. We could discuss the stoppage, but a, an absolutely brilliant comeback. Um, Pateria, you know, he he almost had him, and then he got had himself by Bellator, and then the the um, the Turner Bobby Green fight. Like I thought, this fight would go a little bit longer, just based on the fact that. Turner was taken on short notice, and the fact that Bobby Green was uh, prepared for five rounds, I I have two thoughts on that. Right, 
first of all, Turner came looking in great shape, although he showed a thing where I think he was 180 pounds. Um, so he had a lot to, obviously a lot of weight to cut and everything like that. So maybe he came out and decided, well, maybe I'm not going to have three rounds of cardio on me here. I'm going to I'm going to start throwing. But also the other side of it, Dean Graham, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, and we've discussed this before, but I've, I thought Bobby Green had kind of gotten away from the talking shit, messing, not taking it seriously type, and he, it had tur- he had turned the corner to become like a really good fighter because he'd gotten away from that. And then he just started doing it again here. Against I think, I think when, when it's going his way, he kind of gets in his own and he's not as much talking. But when it's not going his way and he's getting hit, he's trying to show like, oh, this doesn't affect me. Like he's like rubbing them off his shoulder and like kind of nearly playing to the judges and playing to the crowd. And it's like, that to me, that's a sign that Bobby Green knows he's losing and he's trying to like yeah. show, oh, none of this is actually landing or none of this is actually hurting me or whatever. And when he, yeah, when he started talking, I was like, to me, I thought that was a bad sign for Bobby Green. I was like, oh, this, this means you, you kind of know you're get you're, you're getting bested here. Yeah, I, I would, I didn't think it, I, I didn't necessarily think it at the time because the fight was only very sharp, but like, uh. As he got knocked out, I was like, oh my God, here we go again. That <laughs> type of thing. I was like, what has just happened in like the last 15 seconds, 20 seconds? You're talking shit. They're saying it on the on the uh, the commentary. You're in there with a really good guy and you get knocked out. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And th- someone showed a slow motion of it and how Turner used his speed. Like, this was a beautiful knockout. Like, he was, it was just one, two with, with the the uh, the jab coming down the middle, but Bobby Green moved his head really well with the jab, and it was like Turner almost turned over the right hand to kind of stretch it out, like only someone, I suppose, as long as Jalen Turner could do this, and hit him with a massive shot that I think most people wouldn't be able to land on someone who's defended it as well as Bobby Green defended it. Beautiful, beautiful right hand, and from there, you know, we discussed the rest of it, it was over, but, like, take nothing away from Jalen Turner, short notice against a guy who is on a great run of form at the moment, you know, who people were talking about, if he'd beaten Dan Hooker, you know, he'd be you know, climbing up the ranks and getting towards the top. Jane Turner coming off a couple of losses as well. Absolutely fantastic win for him and take nothing away just because it was a terrible stoppage. Yeah. It, it wasn't his fault, like, you know. Yeah, and he said in the in the pre-fight kind of media thing that he, he kind of didn't want to take the fight. He didn't think it was a good idea, short, short notice, and that he had said no and that, that he'd basically been called back and given no option. So, you know, he's put in an awkward position there and... You know, he had to cut a lot of weight. You know, you know, even even at the best of times, the size of him compared to Bobby Green, he like dwarfed him. You know, and Bobby Green's not a small guy for the weight. You know, he's an average, an average enough guy for the weight. So, yeah, uh, you know, doing that big weight cut and going in there, kind of being forced to go in there uh, and getting such a huge win, and then everybody's kind of talking about something else uh, from your fight. You know, out of your, out of your hands with the with the ref and stuff is it is unfortunate for such a kind of you know, a a big win over a guy who was on a bit on a as you said on a on a kind of on a good bit of form. Uh, you know, maybe looking the best he he'd looked in in years, if not ever. And he went in there and he uses length really well. We see guys who have length and don't use it. And you know, as you said, he used it beautifully there. And he has big power. And yeah, just to make sure that kind of we I, I mentioned that he did a phenomenal job under under difficult circumstances. Yeah, no doubt about it. All absolutely fantastic win. Um, if you didn't see this card, I suppose 
Veronica Hardy had a, a good win in, in the opening bout of the card. Jared Gooden had a good win as well. And we mentioned the, the great comeback by Bellator against uh, Poteria. But then... Hardy and Gooden. Hardy, <laughs> the old Hardy, tag team. Yeah, <laughs> back together. The Something that has never happened before in UFC history, we had two slam KOs in the same card. They were in back-to-back fights, both first-round slam KOs. Dark are close with the first one and Cody Brundage with the second one. Very uh, old school, wasn't it? Very old school. For my money, the Dark are close one was 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 much better. Um, the, the Brundage yeah, way one... way better. Way better. Way better. <laughs> it was brilliant, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, like you know, this <laughs> you get a slam KO, and it's not even the best slam KO of the night. is is pretty crazy, but uh, it was a very very nice slam KO. But the Drecker close one, yeah, he lifted him higher. He slammed him down harder on the side of his head. Like usually, you see people kind of banging the back of their head when when we've seen these in the past. And you know, obviously, arm bars aren't gone for as much. You don't really basic jiu-jitsu isn't really finishing people, but you don't really see this as often. But yeah, when you do, when you do, it's 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 pretty spectacular and. Uh, hopefully, I don't. I didn't actually see the the bonuses, but hopefully, you know, both guys got a got a bonus for that because it'd be pretty unfortunate if you had a slam a slam KO and you, you didn't get a bonus. Yeah, I believe Dana White actually gave eight bonuses last night, so I think they all got bonuses because it was a a really good card and fair play at them. Like they should they should be getting that so fair play. <laughs> Finally, they're paying people uh, the money they deserve. But uh, yeah, so the Br- the Brundage one was out out of kind well, of uh, not paying them the money they deserve, but yeah, yeah somewhat <laughs> uh, on one night maybe. Uh, the Brundage one kind of out of you know the they're they're all kind of triangle arm bars. He kind of dropped him on the top inside of his head. The closer one was purely on the side of his head but before that like Selecki completely uh, dominated him I suppose with his wrestling in terms of the takedown he just went straight across the cage and took him down which I was a bit surprised that I thought closer would be able to deal with it a bit better but maybe that was uh, part of his reckoning because he dealt with it really well when it got to the ground he uh, turned Selecki over got on top of him um, and that's obviously where Selecki went and attacked from the bottom with the uh, armor and then he picked him up and as you said it wasn't like uh, a spike or like your your old school rampage jackson slam it was almost like he meant to drop him on his, the side of his head or his temple and knock him out like it, this was this was like a skill slam more than just your slam slam i would say and i think the second one actually was as well because he watched the first one and he said that himself uh but it was absolutely brilliant i i do you know what i think i might be knockout of the year I really do. I was looking through the list, and obviously we'll have the awards coming up soon, but I was looking through them, and I was like, I don't think I've seen a better knockout than this this year. Like, it was spark out as well, you know, and, you know, as we talk about brain injuries, it's hard not to fucking think about brain injuries after watching these as well, especially the, the Selecki one. Jesus, he was out, out here after that, but what what skill and brilliance from Drakkar Close to yeah. do it absolutely I'd be fantastic. more worried about, like, repeated shots when already out. Yes. That's what I'd be more worried about, but, yeah, obviously, you know... It's ever made his, you know, we see knockouts all the time, but when guys get knocked out sometimes within within 30 seconds of up and moving, when they're not, it is it is a bit worrying. But it's just like I was trying to think last or last night watching it that uh, when was the last time there was a slam KO like that in the UFC? It seems like years, maybe I'm forgetting. Someone, maybe uh, I'm forgetting. I actually went through a lot of them last night. I think um, Capoza tweeted out like every one of them, but um, Rose Namunis and Jessica Andraj. Was one that oh, was yeah. relatively recent, I think. Um, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot of them. Like Graham Maynard got one. There was the 
The Matthews knocked out himself and Carlos Newton. Carlos Newton, yeah. As Chael said, they woke him up and told him he was the UFC welterweight. Pretty much, yeah. He woke up, he looked around, and he said he was the winner. He jumped up on the cage. Yeah, so not many. Michael, what's his name? MJ flipped the script or whatever. He put out like a list of when they happened. And there's basically like been one or none a year for the last 30 years. So that's I think that was the... The 13th and 14th, or maybe the 12th and 13th slam knockouts ever. So that'll tell you how few there actually was. But, um, you know, if uh, if that is anything to go by, I think there'll be more of them because it felt like Drakkar Close. And hold on a minute, though. Wasn't Drakkar Close also the guy who fucking made calf kicks, calf kicks a massive and thing in MMA? Yeah. And this is weird. I, 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 did the, the Brent Primus, Mike Chandler fight happen before that or after that? I, Close, I, I, don't know, but I, I don't know, actually. But I feel like Close was the first one to like win a like a three round fight and just devastate an opponent throughout it. Like every people have done calf kicks before and hurt people with low kicks. But I, I, I think that was the first like major Gaethje, did Gaethje have a, a, a world series of fighting at the time it, was, it wasn't calf five kicks rounder where he, he mixed in both I think like maybe, maybe a bit of both yeah but I I definitely think closer was like the first one. I really yeah. and here we go again. It was funny because like I just now I just come into my head I was on one of the I think the betting show maybe I gave him as one of my bets and I was like oh he's been out for a while now what new trick will he have? <laughs> will he have and here we go slamming lads into the fucking uh, into oblivion here I wonder I wonder his poor training partners are getting parts of that are they fucking slamming their heads into the the canvas but uh, yeah it was brilliant it's great to see Drakkar back as well he's had so many injury wars and all of that it's um and he's such a talented guy like he's brilliant so I'm, I'm glad to see him back in, in the William Collium um I suppose the same could be said for Misha Tate who looked absolutely fantastic here went back to her wrestling took Julia Via down and down and down and down um and then very easily her. at times took her down very easily Via yeah she seemed to like accept um that she was just going to be stuck there losing. Uh, I would have liked to see, you know, a bit more fight out of her. You know, Misha's coming back. You know, maybe not at uh, past her prime or whatever. You you want to? That would be, would have been a huge win for Via, and she just she, to me, she seemed to accept a lot of positions too easily. Um, I would a hundred percent agree. And here's a very leading question: What what did you think of the the submission? What did you think of the finish? Yeah, I think I think if she had been winning that fight, she would have fought a lot harder, yeah. uh, to say the least. I agree. Uh, it, there's been a few of these recently, and I, like I'm no one to fucking say like, oh, they gave up or whatever. Like I would fucking tap in four seconds to anyone on the roster, anyway, male or female. Like there's no, I don't have it in me. Like I saw, I don't know what I'm talking about, but like she definitely like she knew she was two rounds down. Her. Um, corner man was like look just throw it out out the window now go for it try to knock her out fuck the game plan and uh, she got taken down once he's like well that's it uh, it's over and then there was like a, like was it a rear naked choke not really like was it a, a neck crank kind of but uh, yeah I think she looked for a way out there in the end but Misha Tate fair play to her I don't know if it's as um 
possible for her to get as an easy a matchup as that again. Um, but they probably should continue to do that. Build Misha Tate up, build her into a big sort of fight, and, and away we go. Like that's what they should be doing, with Misha. So if they can find uh, another, I think they might be trying to get another Ronda Rousey match going with. I don't Misha know. Tate. Maybe uh, I was listening to Dave Meltzer. He's talking about Ronda Rousey. Do you know she's kind of um, retired from WWE now, um, and it looks like she. You know, Dave kind of said that I think she wants to have another kid. So uh, if that's the case, obviously she won't be fighting, but. Who knows? Like maybe she'll say, "Right, well, I'll fight in the summer, and then you know we'll we'll have a kid then or whatever." And you know, so I I don't know, maybe, but I I would say doubtful now. But uh, there's a lot of Saudi money coming, and a lot of all yeah, that. I was just thinking but, that maybe the Saudis want to put on a big event somewhere, and the money might be right. Uh, you yeah. never you never know. I don't know, I don't know. Is uh, Ronda Rousey or me? Should hate the sort of person the Saudis want out there, and by sort of person I mean female. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't think of, I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um. After that, then, Dustin Suffles put on a great performance against Punahele Seriano, who was, uh, how would you put this? He was looking very light, was Punahele, I thought. Didn't think he looked as muscular as his past fights. So now, what that is, I don't know. Maybe he had an injury or maybe whatever. But, yeah, he didn't seem himself. He was throwing out his shots, but Suffles was just a little bit ahead of him, and, and he got the finish as well. Uh, Jackie Silva beat Clay Guida. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of shouting on Clay because he's Clay and you know he's been around for a long time. But you know this was either two one or three nil to Silva. I think he was uh, a bit better. But at the same time, Clay made it pretty competitive. To be honest, if you're Silva though and you're fucking seventeen fights into your career at the age of of thirty four, and you know Clay Guida is giving you all you can do, it's that must be a little bit disheartening. <laughs> for being honest, like you're never getting to the top, are you? There, like that's. That's a, it must be a, a disheartening enough. I feel like I'm being very mean to the fighters today, but look, sure, that's what we're uh, that's what we're here to do. Uh, so let's talk about the top four fights. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> be mean, <laughs> to the be mean to the fighters. <laughs> that's my job is to be a cunt. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, right. Oh my you were God. born to do it, Sean. Born to do it. I, I found my calling. Sean Brady, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal. I thought he was yeah. brilliant. I thought he was beating Kelvin Gastelum on the feet. And we know what happened on the ground. Took him down and beat him from pillar to post. Into Destroyed the him on the ground. More than, you know, obviously, Sean Brady's extremely, you know, good grappler and all that. But Kevin Gastelum came in shape, you know. There's a lot of a lot of times where you're thinking, uh, you know, how much effort does he put in here? Sometimes he, he looks a bit, you know, a bit pudgy. Uh, this time he came in looking you know pretty good for him um looked in shape said the camp went well you know went in there and got absolutely annihilated um he just had no answers john brady was just on a completely different level especially on the ground um yeah like john brady's obviously you know big prospect you know, has a loss people start doubting you but when you come out like that and be the known quantity who's fought you know upper echelon guys and uh, fought well, very well, and has you know for a long time. Even when not in as good shape as as he's in now, and to just to just big brother him like that and just destroy him on the ground. A guy who's you know got some good finish victories uh, on the ground on his record, and he just got annihilated. Yeah, like when Kelvin started. Right, he was a very good striker. Obviously, we remember the Uriah Hall fight and everything like that. But we remember he could, like, as you said, pull guys to the ground, finish guys on the ground as well. There was, there was never a doubt about that in him. I don't think, but what? And maybe unless he fought, you know, let's say if he was in there with an Usman or someone like that, and maybe then it would be an issue. But like, what Brady did to him 
was was spectacular and I think they mentioned in commentary as well the fact that he's coming down from 185 and he's used to fighting bigger guys like this is a 170 who's doing it to him but um, I, I, I was very impressed with the increase in a striking acumen I suppose of Brady like there seems to be this thing about Brady as well that he's a bad striker or whatever I went back and I watched a, a few of his fights and it, I don't know maybe he he tries to set up his wrestling with his striking a bit much, re- uh, really, and tries to put it all together. Whereas maybe at times you're better off, right? I'm just going to strike here now and let's strike for striking. And then if a takedown presents itself, let's do it. And I think he did a little bit more of that at the weekend. Actually, now it's we didn't have a large sample size of his striking because he, he wrestled him and dominated him so much on the ground. But I think it looked better. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how it looks after. It's like, and just on the ground again, like I, I think, you know, Carmi Carm- attempted to explain it, but he's such a dunderhead that he wasn't able to but like the transition work from Brady because it was just fantastic because Gaslam as you said like he's not he's not bum on the ground Gaslam can fight on the ground and he was getting out of positions and he was moving but Brady was just a step ahead, ahead of him every single time like he got into mount if Gaslam moved to the back he was taking the back and happy in there he wasn't he also wasn't like and you see this with Habib, and uh, you are did an awful lot, and and certain other fighters, Bilal, I think, does it well as well. Who obviously he just lost to. They almost don't tie themselves up in a position like they don't uh, keep the body lock on for too long because if Gaslam, let's say, was able to turn around in the body lock, he'd end up in top of you in you know the the full guard or with the body lock on the bottom, which is a, a more advantageous position for him, and it's harder for you to get out. So. In, if you see that turn coming, let the body lock go, turn, win him and take the back or, you know, get on top in a different uh, position, get into, you know, maybe side control or the half guard or whatever it might be. And Brady did that well all night. He never once gave up position for the submission or for the superior position that he thought he had. Like, if you're going to lose that superior position, it's no longer a fucking superior position. Get to an inferior position that's still superior in position that your opponent has. And I think Brady did that extremely well all night it was absolutely and it's extremely dominant. demoralizing when somebody's doing that to you and yeah. they're dominating you like that and you're they're not giving you anything like it's it, you know it, it's got to be you're you're down on the cards you you know you know you're you know you need a miracle here and this guy's just you know the fight IQ is high the position over over you know submission or or over you know some people are rushing to get the mount or rushing to get the back and you know it, it must just be you must just kind of feel mentally defeated. Yeah. And like, he was in the same position against Bilal last time out. Just tells you how good is Bilal. He's very fucking good, I think. And it's just a pity again with Bilal, he hasn't fought in so long and everything. I feel like you're in a division like this or like Lightweight. You kind of have to take these fights and you have to yeah. keep your name in I also think, though, that Sean Brady looked improved. You know, sometimes 100%. a loss can, can do a lot for you. Like, you can maybe go back and, you know, work on that and it can kind of change your, your mind frame a bit and stuff like that and make you realise that you that you have holes or bigger holes in your game than maybe you thought. And I think, you know, uh, maybe Gasolum had a bit of a bad performance, but I don't even think it was that. I just think Sean Brady has come on leaps and bounds uh, since, since that loss. And I'm, I'm extremely interested to see, uh, you know, what he does in the next few fights. Me too. Do you think uh, it's a possibility Sean Brady fights Ian Gary in Dublin? Obviously, Ian is fighting in a couple of weeks. I think I think I think that um, they they wouldn't want to you know put two kind of hot prospects together like that and have one of them lose. And I think if they were going to put Ian Gary at the top of the card, they'd probably give him a, a not as difficult a matchup stylistically. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I saw a few people like saying that to me because I I put it out there that maybe it could be a headliner, and a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, will Ian be ready to face the wrestling of Brady and things like that?" I'm like, well. Let's, I don't think there's a need to rush into that, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, at the same time, you're fighting Vicente Luque next week. If you beat him, you're like, Sean Brady is not a massive step up from him uh, whatsoever. But also, like, if you are, like, if Ian Gary keeps winning, there's no way he's more than three fights away from a title fight. I would say less, but let, let's say that, that maximum. If you're not fighting a heavy wrestler now, winner, you're going to fucking fight him. Like, wait till the title fight. But at the same time... I, I, we've made this mistake before saying, oh, this guy is just going to automatically get beat by a heavy wrestler. Okay, if you go in there against Sean Brady, absolutely, you could get wrestled. That goes for Ian Gary, Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, everyone, you know, and it goes, if you're fighting Usman, the same thing or whatever. This is an MMA fight at the end of the day. The, the question isn't, is he prepared for the wrestler? The question is, is he prepared for the very top level MMA practitioners? And, uh, uh, like it, it certainly looked recently like he is. So I'm, I'm looking. I think if they're going to bring a show to you know a specific place with a guy headlining it, it's it is more likely that they find a Wonderboy? you know, a, a, yeah, like a different style matchup than than maybe Sean Brady would offer. You know, and yeah, Stephen Wonderboy Thomas has been talked about for by Ian Gary for a while now, but like all you know, all of this is is mute if he doesn't go in there against Luke a and win and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him now. A lot of stuff going on in, in the background. A lot of videos being made about him. A lot of, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people talking about him and his relationship and all of that stuff. So, like, that's gotta. You know, we've seen him in pressure situations before. You know, uh, you know, in the cage where title fight and and obviously big pressure fights in the UFC. But this is kind of maybe a bit different and. We'll see how he reacts and uh, you know, getting ahead of ourselves and talking about you know potential. Headline and matchups next in in Dublin, you know, might look a bit ridiculous if if you know two weeks time doesn't doesn't go his way. Yeah, maybe. But although if he loses, still I, I still think he could headline in Dublin in in next summer. To be honest, because against like, Sean Brady, you think maybe? Yeah, yeah I, I, could I think if that. he was to lose, they they nearly be definitely trying to like build him back up rather than you know taking too many too many risks. I'm not saying that like you know Ian Gary's got great distance control great feints great striking great variety and he's a he's a you know good on the ground and we've seen him but uh, I'm not saying he wouldn't beat John Brady but I'm just saying that the the UC if they're trying to build him probably wouldn't be in a rush to make that matchup. I don't know, like in the rankings right now Vicente Luca 8 Sean Brady 9 Ian Gary 10 so they're all there thereabouts like the the winner of that fight is is probably going to fight John Brady. Like that's what Jeff Neal is there as well. Obviously, he was due to fight Jeff Neal before. Uh, you know that'd probably answer all our questions there. You know that'd that'd probably be a more perfect matchup and might might be the one for Dublin. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think that that fight it would be a mile off, and I'd love to see it. Who want uh, like who doesn't want to see two really good people in that division fighting each other? I, I, I yeah, like I want to see Ian Gary fight all of these guys in the in the top ten. Yeah. I'm just thinking kind of how you know if the UFC are trying to you know make make something happen with Ian Gary or try to help him on his way like we've seen in the past but you know with the matchmakers you never really know what they're going to do and um, 
maybe a lot depends on how, even if he is to beat Luke, how he beats him, how he performs, you know, if it's a close decision or if it's a knockout or, you know, if it's, you know, depending on how it goes, maybe will affect who they, who they match him up against next. But yeah, yeah okay. Sean Brady is definitely, he's a runner, but I, I think they, if they, in an ideal world, if people, more people were available, they might go with like a Jeff Neal or, or a Josh Thompson or not Josh Thompson, Thompson? Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Steve Thompson. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, yeah. And obviously we'll be talking more about that in the, the coming weeks with that card upcoming um, Davidson Figueredo and Rob Fontingram. This is one of those fights where I don't think Figueredo could have been happier with what he found in front of him at the weekend. I thought Rob Font to be a tough enough matchup. I thought he'd be strong. I thought he'd put the jab out there. Um, I thought he'd make it tough on Figueredo, but he didn't really. Like the, the first two rounds were relatively close because, like, I don't. I still don't think Figueredo is like back to anywhere near his best like this fight might actually help him because he went out and got the win and he was definitely better towards the the third round and things but uh yeah this this fight i felt like could so easily have gotten font's way but he just didn't pull the trigger he didn't get anything going it was it was a bad performance a good performance in figueredo not a great performance i would say yeah, it's kind of like I was saying before in, in the podcast before, both guys are kind of, you're unsure what you're going to get from both of them and there's a number of kind of questions around Figueredo in the past over his weight cut and things like that and obviously moving up here and Rob Font, you know, when he's on and he's sticking that job and he's he's moving and, you know, he can look really good. Um, I think maybe Figueredo might have had another gear in this fight if he needed it, you know, Um yeah, I think Rob Font just kind of let him let him cruise to victory. Yeah, like Figueredo was just landing. It was weird because I, I was talking to someone about it. I was like, ah, Figueredo landing the shots that look a lot harder, but they're having no effect on Rob until the third round. And he landed that big massive shot. And I was like, well, maybe they're having more of an effect than I, than I thought. Now, obviously, that'd be too late for the judges to score rounds uh, rounds one and two. But he uh, he won the unanimous decision anyway. I just don't think. Like I don't, I don't really remember any shot from Rob Font that was like, oh, that's a big shot, and like it was funny because like you could see how much uh, Brendan Fitzgerald absolutely loves that team and everything, and they were he was talking up Rob Font in the middle of the fight like he was fucking I don't know like it was McGregor versus Alvarez or something, or something like he was putting on this beating of figure. I was like, what fight are you what? That's just not happening here at all. But yeah. Um, an interest yeah. if I like at one stage what the Cormier goes no I think uh, my guard is he's up two rounds <laughs> he's yeah. Like, yeah he's like even Cormier is like Cormier, oh, I don't yeah, know about like, that uh, what are you talking about but uh, yeah it's it does feel like one of those fights though where Figueredo will come on an awful lot from it could be exactly what he needs and this might be uh, a signal to uh, to end the run of Rob Font in that part of the division, I honestly think it was it was that poor of a performance, uh, not great at all. Uh, we obviously talked a lot about the the, the co-main event, Jalen Turner, what a performance from him. And in the main event, there really wasn't much to it. Graham Armand, sir, you can come in, tied up in the middle, broke, landed a big right hand, knocked out. Well, he had the he had the kind of leg in the air as he yeah as he landed it, which had me kind of wondering, you know. Did he just manage to generate loads of power, or is this Benil Darius's kind of chin troubles that we thought maybe were behind him and have reared their ugly head again? Uh, you know, he it did look like a you know it's a, a lot of force in the punch, but when you're kind of off balance and not planted properly, I don't know. Like I've never been hit like that. It probably probably knocked me out stone cold, but it, it's just a hard one to judge. Um, you know. Uh, for Darius, 
you know, people people for years were, were talking about his chin and he kind of overcame that and now he's had a couple of knockouts and one that like you can kind of write off as he, he got hit really hard but he knocked out anyone this one's a bit of a bit of a one that's hard to know uh you know how much how much force was in that I don't know what you thought about that I here's what I thought about it right I think the the shot and the setup to the shot were in my opinion like 100% planned I think he he tried to do this so Let's kind of reverse engineer that a little bit. Like, why did he try to do that against Benil Larius? Well, he probably did uh, the research we did, or watched all the fights of Benil Larius that we've watched, and said, what's the biggest issue that Benil Larius has as a fighter? It's his chin. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that, especially now. And he said, right, well, why the fuck am I going to go out and just wrestle this guy who's really good jiu-jitsu and good wrestling as well and good technical boxing? Why, why, would, I even, why would I go out and wrestle him and box him up even or, or try to have a technical ba- a boxing matchup? Why not attack this guy early with power? He's susceptible to it. He always has been. Uh, and that's what he did. And, and he knocked him out. Yeah. So, and I said, uh, one thing they said in the commentary as well, I can't remember who said it, but the shot that you you don't see coming, that you don't expect and yes. you don't brace for is also, you know, even like tensing your neck, neck muscles or something, um, you know, whatever you do when you're bracing to get hit seems to help. And when you when you, you don't see it coming at all uh, and you think you're safe and you get hit with a yeah, sizable shot, maybe that had a had a factor in it too I don't think there's any doubt about that I think Bisping said it there's there's no shadow of a doubt about that and like the, as he said it was a factor with the factor that his chin is susceptible as well but I think all the credit goes to Saryukin because like it's very easy for us to say here oh yeah he is like someone has bad wrestling or someone has bad striking or someone is, has, hasn't the best chin in the world but it's a far harder thing to go out and actually implement that game plan yeah. and have it as a winning Especially game against the technician like like Benil Darius you know if somebody's chinny and they're they're wide open then uh, yeah obviously the game plan is pretty simple but the way he kind of as you said it looked like he had planned that kind of sneaky sneaky punch to, to perfection if that was a plan and you know the way he did it I, I'd agree with you that, that it, it looked like something that he'd at least done before in training so yeah fair play to him an absolutely phenomenal knockout and you know obviously when when somebody a bit chinny gets knocked out always the, the talk is that but you you gotta you know he got the job done against a really real well-rounded guy who could have caused him and a lot of people were thinking would cause him a lot of a lot of problems so absolutely you know phenomenal knockout in the first round yeah i think it's great for um are you can answer. Do you know what's probably good for the division as well? Because um, uh, someone sent in a question, and I, I kind of only glanced at them. I'll answer it on the Q and A this week uh, over on uh, Patreon. It'll be out on Wednesday. But they're kind of saying like, is this going to cause? Because Darius felt like he was in the position uh, where he was close to a title shot, and maybe if he won this, he might be back there. But they kind of said, is this going to cause another merry-go-round of Gaethje? Chandler Poria, Gaethje Chandler Poria, and I feel like, I I feel like it might actually help to guard against that, and I I just think the quality of the win, and Taryukin's willingness, I think to fight other people, like I could see him having a rematch with Garmat, I could see him, you know, going in there against someone like a hooker or or even like 
lads he's already fought or you know up there towards the Gaethje's or the, the Poirier's and then if one of them was to take a fight I just feel like he's one of those lads who will take fights who will continue to fight because he's lost to Islam as well I think that'll be a part of it I, I think he could be one of those guys that really puts himself in that position and that's that's kind of fun and not that Darius wouldn't be that but I feel like the UFC had the opportunity to have him be that guy and they kind of already refused it and now he's lost twice in a row you know it's just not going to happen with him so I, I, maybe I'm more hopeful than I should be but I'm a, I'm a tad hopeful but yeah that was a Karen anyway in full uh, brilliant win for, for Tariuk and, and, and uh, Turner in the 155 pound division Figueredo now puts himself probably into the top 10 at 135 Brady also in the top 10 at 170 and then uh, some other people also established themselves, I suppose, back in uh, in their division. So uh, a lot, a good bit of jeopardy on the card, and and a lot of uh, a lot of things achieved. Um, right, let's look ahead to next week, Graham, and we have PFL, um, the the European finale, which goes down in the Tree Arena in Dublin. Uh, I believe tickets are still available, and they're not that uh, they're not that expensive. So um, I would definitely encourage people to go to this. Like I've been covering PFL for sure, dog. Obviously, this year and also on this podcast, obviously, and uh, the level of talent on this card is is phenomenal. Like you know, for, forget about the Irish people even for a second, because we'll talk a lot about them. But uh, Kershaw Kakarov, he beat Ali Taleb in his last fight, and I thought Ali Taleb when I saw him. Um, and when I prepared for watching his fights this year, I thought he was one of the top prospects in the world. And, and uh, Kakarov beat him. Jakob Kazuba, ten and off, phenomenal prospect. Dakota Dejeva, probably the best female prospect in the world. Um, Simeon Powell, maybe the best two or five pound prospect uh, in the world. Absolutely phenomenal. And then we've all the Irish people, which we're going to talk about again. But we have the likes of Brett Johns on the card as well, who's been around for a long time. Tom Breeze, who's one of the most talented guys in the world, if he can put it together. So uh, a brilliant card of visiting fighters. And we'll obviously get into the Irish fighters in a second, Graham. But I'm pretty excited about this card. I know I was giving out about traveling to Dublin so early on, but it's a good card. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's not a bad card. Like if you're if you're an MMA fan, a big MMA fan, like like me or you, or probably most people listen to this card and follow all this. But you know, for PFL coming here for the first time, you, you know, with the the Franz um, and um, the Franz and Kakarov finale already kind of set up before the the fights were announced and the 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 other Irish lads, uh, John Mitchell, um, Kasuba. You know, uh, Dylan Duke, I suppose, that's, that's a good fight there. Got, got added. Uh, you know, Tom Breeze and Brett Johns uh, are kind of known quantities. But I think people expected a bit more, you know, um, uh, to kind of get the casuals in, to try and, you know, make a big event for your first your first event in the PFL's first event in Ireland and, and all that. And... People obviously have been to a lot of Bellators over the years, and you know some of them have been bigger than others. But you know we, we've seen some you know title fights and things like that. And I think people people were expecting more. Um, I think I was probably expecting more as well. Um, having said all that, there is a lot of fights that I'm interested in. But I I just think to the, the wider audience, maybe they're you know if you were trying to get your mate who's kind of half an MMA fan to go. You might, you might you might find it difficult. I, I I okay. You're you're right in everything you said. I agree and disagree because it's a very good card because of the amount of talent on talent on it. But we've talked about cards before and what they're missing. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like what they're really missing here is 
Brendan Lochnan in the main event or Anthony Pettis in the main event or, you know, Verdum here in the main event. Um, and that would certainly add uh, a spice to it, right? There's no doubt about that because, uh, like, they have kind of said that's what they're trying to do here by putting Nathan Kelly in the main event, you know, because otherwise, you know, build it up as the, the championship finale and put the championship fights in the main event. And I think it's kind of odd, you know, like I spoke to Nathan last week and, you know, he's obviously one of their stars are kind of banking on going forward and I understand it in a way, but in another way, like it, it is, it is a bit odd. But PFL, as Don Davis came out and said last week, they're very much trying now to separate they're different entities so I don't think they want a lot of leakage I know maybe they have a bit of leakage between PFL and Bellator but I don't think they want a lot of leakage between say Bellator and the PFL European Series and PFL and the PFL European Series if you get me um, maybe they want the, you know obviously the, the people who win it qualifying for that but otherwise I, yeah, yeah. It's, well, like a, as you said a Brandon or a Cedric or like a, you know just you know uh, no disrespect at all to Nate Kelly. Like it's great to see an Irish guy get a, like a his first big main event in in the three arena. You know, uh, a fight that I expect him to to win and look good in. And you know, it's going to be if he does win, and it's going to be a, a huge moment for him. But uh, you know, I don't mean to to take anything away from from him. But you know, even the way he reacted, that somebody messaged him. He said in an interview, somebody messaged him saying, "Oh, it looks like you're the main event," and. And he went to it and thought it was, and he thought, oh, it's probably a mistake. Went to it, was deleted, and he thought, oh, yeah, it must have been a mistake, you know, because I think, you know, uh, he's he's definitely like a really good fighter. We've been talking about him for years, and you know, he's he's a favorite. Uh, I expect in 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 this fight for a reason, and I expect him to go out and win. But yeah, I think, uh, I think. You know, if if when PFL announced they were coming to Dublin for the first time, and you said it was going to be Nate Kelly against uh, so- Solomez or uh, Solomez or whatever you say his name, um, people would have like you know people would have been up in arms, and uh, obviously you know you you said you can kind of make the the one of the tournament finals the the main event, and maybe it would make a little bit more sense, but they're obviously trying to build Irish stars and things like that, and maybe in time it'll work, but in terms of, you know, getting the the kind of outside, the the hardcore fans involved and making a kind of big splash on your, on your, on your um, debut in Dublin, I, yeah, I think, I think they, you know, they could have had a better main event. Yeah, that's a fair point. Maybe I'm looking at it from, too much of like a hardcore MMA point of view because yeah. for, for the Irish it's it's great like and it's for like you know obviously for these guys we've been following for years it's, it's great and all but just yeah, looking outside of, of that I think yeah I think you know it would have made sense to as you said have a Brendan Lochnane I'm sure Brendan yeah. Lochnane he's fought in Dublin before he's you know he's been supported in Dublin before he'd have no problem coming here and fighting he, he'd probably have loved to yeah, hundred percent. I think the one thing they do have though is they have a good spread. Like that was always a problem with uh with with Bellator. Like they had, you know, it was all SPG, you know, for the most part. But like you know, obviously there's the SPG fighters, but there's you know John Mitchell from Down and Car. I always get mixed up if it's SPG Car. But anyway, he's not from SPG HQ. You know, Dylan Duke, obviously, you know, training over in Scotland now, but was fighting for Team KF for the last few years. He was in um, in Ireland, and then you know Andre Spinder out of Roddy's gym as well, fighting one of the SPG lads. I think that's good that there's a good uh, you know a good spread of gyms throughout it, and I I think that's something that they really wanted to do, and it's something that they will continue to do. So hopefully. 
hopefully they will keep it going going forward you know uh, mixing up with the gyms and give, giving other guys a chance but there's also a thing of will guys want to sign for PFL some guys you know they yeah. want their promising young pros and they want to go to the UFC and we've had like you know big debates over the years we've seen big debates anyway between fighters and coaches and all that stuff about the cage warriors route versus the Bellator route and now it's kind of you know the PFL route versus the cage warriors to, to UFC route so you know, maybe maybe some guys PFL would have liked on the card that maybe are a bit cautious about, you know, signing a, a multi-fight deal with PFL and, you know, things like that might be going on that we don't know about. But, yeah, hopefully we see, like, variety of, of Irish MMA fighters in, in PFL going forward. But, you know, uh, I don't want to, be, want to be shitting on the card. I, like, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And there's, there's fights that I don't know how they're going to look. I don't know how they're going to go. And there's Jeopardy. There's the, you know, the tournament finals. And there's important fights for, for other Irish guys and things like that. And it's definitely, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy, like, I'm expecting to have, to watch very enjoyable fights and, and you know, hopefully see some some good Irish wins and things like that. But yeah, as I said, just maybe the expectations when when this was announced were were a bit higher. But you know, uh, it it could end up being a, a phenomenal night for Irish MMA and uh, MMA in Dublin. hundred percent. Um, let's talk about a few of the fights. The the main event first of all, Nathan Kelly versus Dimitri Solomis. Um, I I interviewed Nathan last week, and and I, I you know. One of those guys was the first time I interviewed him in uh, as one on one. I think it was in scrums and stuff. I spoke to him before, but like such, you know, just a great story. But also, like, he's a guy who is a good representative of the sport, you know. And there's a, a good few of him around at the moment, you know, the likes of Franz as well, but the likes of Kieran Clark and others. I, I think Nathan Gelly is one of those guys that PFL have probably, if they have picked him out to be one of their stars, I think he's a good guy for that because the the level he has. A, uh, attained as well since you know going on to in his first two fights the improvements he's made have been phenomenal now he's um opponent Demetrius Solomus I looked him up and there's almost no tape of him out there I think uh, he has six wins and four of them by knockout but so that's I suppose the biggest thing you would get from it but look we've seen Nate he's the, the youngest BJJ black belt in Irish history I believe I'm sure he'll want to go out there take him down and submit him uh, and I think three of his two of his three losses for Solomus are, are also by uh, submission so I, I think there's probably no hiding that game <laughs> that Nate Kelly will probably want to do so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that um, on the uh, on the title fights, then I like I think the the Dakota the Cheva Valentina Skitizi fight first of all. Um, look, the Dakota the Cheva. I was reading my notes the other day and I had written on her like no known weaknesses. She's just phenomenal. Like Skitizi, three fights into her career. A lot of people like in SPG hear Danny McCormick talking really good stuff about her saying like she's a great trainer and she's a top prospect but this is going to be very very tough against Skatizi. Um sorry against uh, against the Cheva she's just uh, like a lot of quality but a lot of experience now as well for yeah. a younger fighter yeah. nine and all like that's the experience thing you know even if uh, Valentina Scassisi is going to be you know uh, a world beater going in there in your you know fourth ever fight after you turn pro a, a year and a half ago against somebody so experienced and so you know well-rounded and as you said <laughs> no known weaknesses is a big big ask it's a big ask but you know stranger things have happened in MMA we've seen some big wins but yeah, it's 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 a huge ass so early in her career, you know. Um, she's coming off a split decision uh, 
win and she had a loss before that after after winning her pro debut and looking at her amateur record she seems to only have two amateur fights so she's she's very young in her career if she was to go in here it would be absolutely phenomenal uh to to, to you know to win this tournament so early and to, to beat such a such a well-rounded girl uh at nine and oh when you're when you're two and one but yeah i think you know it will be a it, it will be a, a major upset if, if she was to win 100 uh then the simeon powell versus jacob and fight is a really interesting one. i was looking at the betting odds actually and it's pretty close simeon powell uh is only a, a slight uh favorite in this one and i think Ooh. a lot of people expected him to uh to be kind of just bull rushing everyone in this like if people haven't yeah. seen it in though very aggressive fighter he kind of head down and throws rushes you into a clinch lands his knees inside but he's got good takedowns as well he's a very aggressive on the floor but when he takes his time in the feet as well a very good jab and in Powell on the other side of it great outside striker good pressure uses that long reach very very well has good footwork Good takedown defense as well, but like he always has to show it because everyone's trying to take him down. I'm sure that's what Indo will be trying to do. And like we've seen in a couple of these fights, body locks are kind of the way to get Powell down. Um, but he's very good cardio. When he does get back up after those takedowns, he's very good. And he has, I, I always say when I talk about Simeon Powell, the unbelievable self-belief this man has is fantastic. And I think it's what separates him from a lot of other good people. But... Indo's going to push it on him here and he's going to make it tough um, I know you've watched a bit of Paul Graham have you been impressed with him so far what do you think of this one yeah I've been impressed with both of them you know uh, Indo you know I look at his record his only loss was in 2014 and uh, in his first ever fight and he, he came back three years later and he's been finishing everybody in the first round ever since uh, with a couple of breaks of a couple of years in there uh you know, he's a dangerous guy, but having said that, you know, Paola's undefeated for a reason. He's he's in the final for a reason. He he looked good, you know, he's 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 kinda shown that he can go the distance, which which may, you know, maybe we don't know about his opponent. So maybe that'll be part of his game plan to kinda take less risk early, you know, avoid the the big power early and you know, um, make this kind of a, a grind of a fight for a while until until he kind of takes the pop out of his opponent and play it safe. Because, you know, having 100 grand on the line for these guys is maybe going to make these fights maybe a little bit more cagey. But having said that, you never know. Like, they could come out and just slug it out. But you, you, you'd understand if maybe you weren't, uh, if, you, if you maybe played it safer than than in a normal fight with so much on the line but also you like a big crowd there a big event uh, you know a lot of jeopardy with the tournament like some of these fighters in the tournament finals even you know the the Francis and the guys that are experienced you know it it, it can affect them so yeah uh, I love these fights where they have that bit of extra jeopardy and like 100 grand is a, is a lot of money to to these guys yeah, 100%. And that's a very interesting part of it as well. And it's, you know, when you're picking these fights or looking for bets even, I think, you know, that 100 grand is is a big factor. It really is. And we saw last week as well with the million, which is even more, obviously. Um, so very, very interesting. The 
The next one, the first, uh, well, Scottese obviously fighting out of Ireland, but the first Irish-born uh, person on the card um, is John Mitchell taking on uh, Kazuba, who obviously we all saw taking on Dylan Chu last time out and putting on a phenomenal performance there. Like, he is uh, a pretty good fighter uh, as well, a good striker, good up against the cage, good wrestler and, and vicious uh, on top. But, like, I think John Mitchell, the work he has done over the last couple of years has kind of turned him from... Not limited is the wrong word, but a good fighter into a very good fighter in all areas. You know, his um, his striking has come up a level. I think his wrestling has come up a level, and I. I think I think what Sean Dini maybe said after a couple of fights ago that you know he's shown so much work on the feet now that people are going to start thinking he's a striker you know when in actual fact he's really good on the ground and I suppose jiu-jitsu and, and choking lads out was a big part of his, his early game uh, you know as we saw in Cage Warriors and other places as well so uh, I think that loss back in, in UAE Warriors in 2022 has you know been a big turning point for him as well he's won four fights since and he's coming in here I think he's probably going to be the underdog against Kazuba, it's a very tough fight for him, but John Mitchell, he's you know, he's always been a guy since he was young on the scene that looked, you know, like he was going to make something of himself, and here he is with a chance to win a hundred grand. Massive fight for him, Graham, isn't it? Cork MMA as well. Yeah. It's great for him. Yeah, and these are five round fights, you know, and maybe that would suit Mitchell a little bit more, you know. Maybe that's because I've I've seen so much of Mitchell, but you know, uh, I hope he I hope he, you know, some some guys when they have a bit of success on the feet, they kind of fall in love with, love with that. But I hope he, you know, mixes it up well here and, and gets Kasuba thinking and can put him on his back and maybe put a bit of doubt doubt into his head and you know get that Irish crowd going. Like you know, every strike you land or every big takedown you get is going to be a big roar. You know, this is going to be you kind of got to use that to your advantage. Nearly, um, um, you know, obviously. Obviously, you'd like to go in there and get a quick knockout and walk off with the money, but uh, I think that's going to be hard to do here against Kazuba. And Kazuba's a dangerous guy, you know. We saw him against Dylan Took. Like, you know, if you look at Dylan Took's record, you might think six and four, yeah, whatever. But he's a he's a really good fighter, you know. He put up a a good fight, a, you know, close enough rounds. Like he wasn't blown out of the water against Kazuba, you know. He, he, I think totally lost the decision, but. You know, Kazuba's definitely a good fighter, but John Mitchell's really kind of been putting it together uh, much better recently. You know, obviously, uh, this is this is by far the biggest fight of his career, for the career for both of them, and uh, and all that. But I think if if John Mitchell can can play the kind of long game here, maybe maybe all of the, I'm just thinking as I'm thinking this, maybe this is all just you know knowing that a hundred grand to these guys is so much money that I don't want them to take too many risks. And that's me being a bit maybe yeah. cautious on their behalf. And they, maybe they shouldn't be thinking that they should just go out there and do what they always do. So yeah, while I'm saying this, I'm kind of thinking maybe that's just kind of a, an insecurity of my own or something. Yeah, possibly. But John Mitchell, uh, he does feel like a guy who will rise to the occasion to me. Now, uh, it's a very tough occasion to rise there because I said his opponent is a top top level fighter, but I just feel like he might shock a few people here and he might give it a good old rattle. I I, I could see this being a very close fight to be honest, and a fucking you know one of the ones where we go five rounds and we're thinking, oh Jesus, yeah. who's won that at the end type of I fight? I suppose so. five rounds does kind of put into your head a different mindset, even if it wasn't for a hundred grand. You know, you have, kind of have to be a bit more. Yeah, careful about what you're doing yeah. early. You know, if we if you gas yourself out of the middle of the second round, going for it, and you don't have to go out of there, then <laughs> you look up at that clock and the, and see the rounds, and it's a long way to go, and things things can go very wrong very quickly. So, yeah, like 
I think I like that this is five rounds rather than three for John Mitchell. Yeah, I, I definitely think that'll benefit him another shadow of a doubt. Um, and then France against uh, Krusha Kakarov. Graham, I'll let you start with this one. You've been around France, obviously, for a very, very long time. And, um, you know, you're he's de facto manager. <laughs> but uh, France is such a talented guy, isn't he? And this is such a massive opportunity. It feels, you know, it feels like there's a lot banking on this fight. Like, what happens next in France's career and where it goes? Massive opportunity for him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it was kind of crazy what was happening with France he'd like you know done so well at amateur won the IMAFs and he you know had great wins in his pro career obviously a couple of setbacks in you know uh, Ricky Bandeas being the most recent one back in back in the start of 2020 but since then he's been on a tear you know he went to the Combache tournament fought the one-night tournament won that and then was just kind of sitting around for a year and a half pushing two years before he got he got another fight and you know, these MMA careers aren't long, especially your your prime isn't long. And he's a guy who should have been in the prime. He wasn't fighting, and he just wanted to get in there and fight and have like a structure and a schedule to, to fight at. And he came in there and the you know against uh, Rashid Haz and maybe didn't look himself. His timing and all that didn't really look. You know, he looked a bit rusty. He, he said it himself afterwards and. Um, I think we talked about it in the podcast and all and you know he went in there in his last one and it was a split decision I thought he won it but I think he made it closer Franz maybe let it be a little closer than he should have and uh, you know um, he obviously he, he, he's a fantastic striker and and, and all that but um, maybe a bit more a bit more urgency or something um, but yeah I think Kakarov as well you know he's been on a tear he's He's a hard hitter as well. Like you know, he'll probably be coming in here to to um, look to stand and bang, which is which is what Franz wants. Um, Franz is very fast. He's maybe not as powerful, but I think he's probably more technical. Um, yeah, I think this is this is a extremely extremely interesting fight. Obviously, uh, we mentioned a bit the money being on the line, but France is, you know, a very, you know, people have been following France's career for a very long time in the Irish MMA community. I expect a lot of support behind him. And this is going to be, you know, France has been fighting on these big stages. He made his debut in, in Bama, a sold out Bama. You know, he's been doing this for a long time. It's going to be nothing new to him, but there is that extra pressure of, you know, being in a five round fight for the first time and and having a hundred grand on the line. I think it's the first time anyway. Um, so there's definitely things going on here, and I think uh, it's, it's an interesting style matchup on the feet. But I think maybe if France was to maybe stick a trip in there, or stick a bit of clinching in there, or maybe even a surprise takedown would probably, you know, uh, he's not known for it on the ground. But I think France is a lot better on the ground than people people believe or people have seen. Uh, so that could be an option if if it's not you know going all his way on the feet. I think he maybe have an option to spring a surprise kind of grapple attack. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Like, um, Kakarov is, is fantastic on the feet. Like, there's there's no one going to be a better technical striker than Franz, I don't think. But, like, I think maybe the power, the athleticism of, of Kakarov might cause trouble on the feet as well. But if Franz can get into his rhythm, you know, use that speed, use that technical power, use the lint, there's no doubt about it that he can have success against anyone in that division, not to mind Kakarov, but it's it's very 50-50 on what way that goes. And I, I think the thing with Franz as well is, right, and this is a very interesting fight, I, I, I don't know who's going to win it, to be honest, but, like, 
I you would just hope if you're an Irish MMA fan, if your friends himself are, are not even well, not even friends himself, but you just hope that those couple of fights that he had have gotten the rust off. You know that now he's had kind of one camp and in one kind of half camp because the other one came so quickly and in another kind of maybe three quarter camp now to get back to this one you'd hope that that gets Franz into like fighting Fettel now and he's ready for it because if he is he's a very hard guy to beat and a very good fighter like probably the most underrated fighter uh, in Ireland over the last few years and I think the difference here between Franz and the other people in all these um Finales is that France has been on the brink, it feels like, for a long time. Like on the brink of getting a, a, a big go, I suppose, in Bellator, on the brink of signing for the PFL or signing for the UFC or doing something big, you know? And it feels like if he falls at this stage, it's it's going to be a lot more of a rebuilding. Like let's say John Mitchell was to lose. I think John Mitchell could probably get back in the tournament next year and kind of have another go at it. Whereas for France, is, is that going to happen? Maybe, but like. You know, it's it, it just feels like this is Francis' time. You now he's twenty fights into his career. He's had a lot of great wins. He's been around for a long time. He's he's served his time as an apprentice, and now it's the time to become you know the master or whatever it might be. And it's that brings its own pressure. It's massive for France. This is a huge fight, and uh, do you know what? I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing it. And yeah, you know, yeah, like as you said, if you win if you win this, you win a hundred grand, and you, you might be in a million dollar tournament. You know, you, that that could happen. It depends on what happened. You go in there and you know knock out a guy like Kakarov or look look impressive against him. You know, PFL are going to be looking to use you in in bigger positions, and they're going to be looking to you know Conor McGregor's training partner, all that stuff. They love that stuff. You know, you you, you know you've 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 been around a long time, and as you said, yeah, he's only twenty fights into his career, but he seems like he's kind of you know at a different stage in his career to the other guys like you mentioned and. Uh, obviously, uh, France has been in big pressure, pressure positions before, and he's not really the kind of guy to you know let to think about even things like that to let that get to him. But you know, obviously, you're you know hundred grand to one of these guys, you know, a guy like France who a couple of years ago or even a year ago was was out landscaping to to make money. You know, that's it's life changing. And Kakarov was obviously it'd be absolutely I don't know his situation, but I'm sure it'd be life changing for him as well. So. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on all of these guys, and you know, obviously the the Irish crowd is going to add add something. And uh, I think uh, you know, if if like the, for example, if I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Dylan Chuke and John Mitchell have both just lost before, there might be a different atmosphere than than a jubilant one and all that stuff. Like, uh, look at the difference kind of between between. Um, when Katie Taylor was was winning rounds in the boxing match, when in the first one, uh, the reaction of the crowd and how they're into it, they were, and and the second one, so definitely stuff like that can play into it. But uh, yeah, I think I don't know, maybe this is just hopeful, but I, I feel like France is experienced enough and well rounded enough and all that, and uh, to kind of take this in a stride. But for Kakarov, maybe there's more questions around that. But this is all kind of speculation stuff. When it comes down to the fight. Yeah, I think Franz has got to be very careful early to, you know, not put his put his back up against the cage and kind of limit his movement and eat a big shot. And if he can stay technical and maybe not even load up on punches, just kind of 70, 80%, touch him up and frustrate him and then kind of open up from there. And as I said, maybe have a grappling advantage. And I wouldn't be jumping on guillotines, as I always say to him, but to try and take Tom posi- top position in, in the grappling, yeah. you know, that could be a way to 
to frustrate as well and yeah and to tire out uh, uh, you know uh, a musclier guy as well I I think it's very interesting as well because even if you look towards the futures we were talking about there like PFL don't have a 135 pound division but Bellator sure do and if you're the, the PFL 135 pound bantamweight champion and you know there's just a tournament happened that bantamweight and patchy mixes there I'm not not saying friends will get straight into that maybe but maybe if they were to give him a big fight in Bellator 135 you're thinking well Ireland is our home base for Bellator you know, friends versus fucking patchy mix in a tile fight. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to win on the line there. I think they were talking about getting, you know, a 135 tournament going, weren't they? Um, I, I don't know. You um, don't know. Could have been just online speculation. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember where I heard it. So, but yeah, I, I think like it would make a lot of sense to, to have all the, the kind of regular divisions now that you have like, you know, such a big number of fighters uh, signed to you know your various kind of sub companies under PFL. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We'll run through a couple more of the, the cards before we finish it up. Um, more of the fights you mentioned, Dylan Tuke there. He's fighting Yazid Kushan. Um, you know, great for Dylan to get another fight, and you know if he can get the win there, I think he might be back in the tournament next year. So it's been a good year overall, I would say, for Dylan getting back at it. So looking forward to seeing him. Um, very good fight between Lewis McGrill and Evans and Wesley Maya. You know, obviously Wesley's been around the cage where I've seen for a long time now. Kind of surprised to see him popping up. I think. The, um, Evans' opponent got injured there recently and uh, he, he's in there so that's a good fight Evans uh, 8 or McGrill and Evans even 8 and 0 um, as we mentioned earlier on Brett Johns and Tom Breeze as well uh, on this uh, Dominic Wooding has a new opponent as well he's supposed to fight Ben Davis um, but two things I just want to end it on in there Graham um Binder and Skatizi, very good fight. And I'm glad to see Binder getting an opportunity here. You know, he's been crying out for one online for uh, a good long while and he's served his time as well fighting in LFL and other places. Good record 8-2, you know. and uh, The modern day Joseph Duffy, I suppose, the only man to ever beat Ian Gary and he beat him as an amateur. And uh, Skatizi, you know, Skatizi is a good, tough, honest professional and it's uh, kind of cool to see, you know, Roddy against John... Uh, John John Kavanagh is a bit of a, a bit of an odd one, I suppose, but still at the same time, not, not too odd. I, you'd probably see a lot of amateurs and things like that. But good, uh, a good uh, domestic fight, as some people might call it, Graham. What do you think of this one? Yeah, old school, big domestic fight. We'll bring it back to the, the cage warriors or the cage contender days. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting fight, you know, because um, uh, Scatizzi is a bit more experienced, but Binder's been looking... Looking very good recently, you know. Uh, he's eight and two, uh, going up against a guy with twelve and seven. You know, um, Skatizi's obviously, you know, been in these kind of big spots uh, more often. He's been in these Bellator um, shows for for what three or four years at this stage. So it's definitely kind of a different environment than, than Binder's used to. But yeah, uh, I have a feeling Binder might get this done. To be honest. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. Massive fight for Binder, like, and yeah, I, I I probably have him as a slight favorite as well, but a very, very interesting one then, and looking forward to seeing that. Um, and then uh, Nate the Great, Graham, as we've seen down through the years, he's uh, from from the young lad at the, the regular press conferences to, you know, being a VIP at all these shows for a, for a very long time, to now fighting as an amateur fight. I saw Chris Fields and other people giving out about this, and it's like, Jesus, I I, know, I found that a very odd one because P- 
PFL are clearly not making a play on their European cards for like an amateur scene. They have, you know, we saw recently they talked to Cage Legacy and uh, uh, and I think it's Clan Wars as well, didn't they? And they have a bit of a partnership with them. So that's, you know, where the amateurs will be getting an opportunity and stuff. This is about a young lad who is quite obviously, you know, honest to sell a few tickets or because he's a, sh- a showcase that people might be interested in just like Alio Baggio Walsh they've had in their o- o- other cards and I think they had one more amateur as well this is not a thing they do regularly like they're not going to have it's an like amateur a gimmicky fight yeah. exactly like and I I really think like some people will just give out about anything I think and uh, and when it's a young lad as well like Nathan Kelly I think that was a bit unfair to be honest that, that blowback and then people popping in on it as well agreeing like Fuck off! Uh, I really, I really don't like that sort of shit at all. Like, best of luck to Nathan Kelly. He's a young lad. He's trying his well, best. He's yeah, been, you know, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, but I, also I do kind of understand from years that some people just don't like any kind of gimmicky fight, no matter what it is. You know, um, but that's fair enough, right? Say you don't yeah. like a gimmicky fight, I've no problem with that. But to say like, oh, this amateur is getting an opportunity and the other amateurs aren't getting an opportunity, that's just like not correct, is it? Because it's not opportunities being given to amateurs and one has been selected. Over over the other if he wasn't on this there wouldn't be any opportunity for any amateur they're not going to have some random amateur on it just to have an amateur fight on the card that's not what's happening here at all that's separate to the okay if you think it's a gimmicky fight and you want to say it's a gimmicky fight and i don't like gimmicky fights no problem with that at all i'm not a big fan of gimmicky fights myself greb but that's not what was said really okay well i actually didn't see the tweet so yeah i yeah i uh you know, I can see why certain gyms maybe over the last few years feel like they've been left out by Bellator and they maybe were hoping to get a bit more of a look in with PFL. But, you know, this is their first card here and they're, you know, they're obviously, hopefully anyway, planning on coming back regularly and uh, you'd, you'd, suspect, you'd, you'd suspect so. You know, there's a lot of fighters under contract and they have a lot of kind of sub-promotions or whatever you'd want to call them uh, now. So, yeah, I expect... Uh, you know, maybe a bit of frustration from before, maybe spilling over. Yeah, I, that, that, there probably is a bit of that, right? Which is is fair enough. But the one thing with PFL, as we bought no gram, they have they have tried to do that. You know, Bellator talked an awful lot about doing that, and I had conversations with people in Bellator and explained it to them. Like, all you need is a couple of fighters on it, and I think a lot of people would be very appreciative of that. And you know, they never really did it much. But PFL, I know they've tr- like you look at the card and you can just see like that they have different fighters from different gyms on it. Although, would you like a few more? Absolutely. But I know one specific fighter definitely that they reached out uh, from uh, from up the north and uh, he decided to go and fight name him else. name him no I'm not going to name him that'd be a bit unfair but like I, I know that for a fact and you probably heard as well that you know they went in for some other but as you said like let's say it is whoever it might be right and you know Omran Shaban to take Chris Fields' gym right maybe Omran doesn't want to fight for PFL he wants to go to the cage route and go to the UFC and Absolutely, and then you like if that is the case, right? Then you can't be given out like saying, "Oh, there's none of our guys on the card." Which is, if they don't want to be on the card, they don't want to go that route. Or are you supposed to get them on the card? It's an unwinnable decision, and that like that is the case here more than ever was in Bellator. Like I, I never stood up for Bellator, and that I know I always gave out about them. But I honestly do think PFL have made uh, that. Uh, 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 priority is the wrong word, definitely, but I think they've made that a thing and they've tried to get more people from more gyms on this card and I think they will uh, they will do it when they when they come back as well. So that's that. And uh, yeah, any more, any more, Graham? Will, shall we leave it at that or have anything, uh, any other MMA chat to talk about? 
Um, yeah, not really MMA, but get your opinions on the you know the, the latest uh, soccer football results. No, that's okay. Actually, ne- next week there's uh, <laughs> UFC. UFC have a card as well next week. Uh, they have Song Yidong. Baby. Yeah, dong, 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 dong. He's fighting Chris Gutierrez. That's the main event. Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't even see it and I pulled it off. <laughs> Chris Gutierrez versus Song Yidong is the main event. Fuck me. Not a bad main fight. Event, like, fit, fit for the, the venue. Yeah. Not, not, a, not, a, not a terrible fight. I watched the fight, but uh, main event. Jesus. I like Anthony Smith, Khalil Roundtree. There's someone getting fucking punched in the face there. Uh, Sumo Dajari against Alan Nascimento. Oh, this is the fight that was supposed to be on in China, wasn't it? And they just decided and gave no reason for why they moved it. Um, but yeah, this card is not good. Not good at all. So, um, yeah, I'd be... Like, uh, it would make a lot more sense if it was if it was, it was. somewhere in Asia, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, obviously the Australians, New Zealanders, stuff like that, like... Uh, Chinese fighters, Asian fighters, or Japanese fighters, Korean fighters. Yeah. Um you get an atmosphere going it would feel like a bigger event than you know 45 people in the in the apex and you know it just seems like uh, it just seems like such a you know maybe there'll be some some exciting fights and but it just seems like there's no real jeopardy there's nothing really yeah, no there's nothing on this there's not really yeah there's not really there fuck all all right we will uh we will leave it there so graham i um I, I very much enjoyed sitting down to have a chat with you today. I hope you did the same. If uh, if you haven't signed up to our Patreon yet, please do that. It'll be absolutely uh, absolutely majestic and absolutely fantastic. If you did do that, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Uh, head on over to Caldera Lab. Get 20% off with the promo code severe MMA over there. And go over to MMA Trivia Championship.com and buy their unbelievable uh, trivia game 500 of the hardest questions on the world's toughest sports so MMA trivia championship dot com over there follow me at Sean Sheehan BA follow Graham at Severe MMA follow at Severe MMA pod as well please subscribe to us Spotify SoundCloud iTunes Podcast Republic anywhere you listen please subscribe please give us a thumbs up and everything like that leave us a review be great be absolutely fantastic love you all very much Graham Merry Christmas to you and give us an all outro quote there. Good luck. My hands are tied. The billions shift from side to side and the wars go on with brainwashed pride for the love of God and our human rights. And all these things are swept aside by bloody hands. Time can't deny. We'll see you next week. Good luck. Good luck.